What is up? The KOTL fam, so it's a six-pack lap lap. <clears throat> Today, I will be doing uh, the podcast by myself in terms of hosts, but uh, we definitely have a special guest, none other than the white rhino Stan Efferding. IFBB Pro, as well as world record holder in a 275-pound class in powerlifting, um, if you don't know him, you're probably fairly new to the sports. This guy has been proclaimed the strongest bodybuilder who ever lived. Uh, just an absolute beast. And starting to get a lot of people talking because of this new vertical diet he's on. It feels like every single time we have a powerlifter on, um, in the last like five episodes, they're talking about the vertical diet. So it seemed like a no-brainer, but even without the vertical diet, um, I mean, an IFBB pro... 10 years in the making, uh, the guys, he got it in 2009, so he's been around the blocks, his numbers at the 275 class, just going to take a look at these right now, pulling it up, so his best squat without knee wraps, 584 pounds, 387.5 kilo, uh, with knee wraps, 865, which is 392.5 kilo, so not a huge jump with knee wraps, Bench press, 606 pounds, 275 kilo even, and a raw deadlift, 380 kilo, which is 838 pounds. So the guy is an absolute beast in powerlifting, and when you manage that with bodybuilding and become an IFBB pro, incredibly hard to do. A lot of that has to do with the fact that when you're dieting, you lose so much strength. And um, to diet and also have peak performance is really the battle that athletes come across in, in all weightlifting, sorry, in all uh, weight class sports. How do you get into your weight class and still maintain your strength? Now, none other than an IFBB pro who smashes world records in powerlifting would know something about strength as well as dieting. So um, he came out with the vertical diet. And guys like, I mean, some of the biggest names, everyone from Half Thor, who has no weight class to get into, but wants to optimize performance, Half Thor being the world's strongest man in the mountain from Game of Thrones, to, I mean, you've got everybody in powerlifting that we've had talking about the vertical diet. So want to get him on, talk about it, explain what it is, maybe break down some myths, and um, hopefully learn a lot. I know myself... I'm not the biggest diet guru. I got a working knowledge of it. But uh, for the most part, I'm counting macros, staying within my range and knowing that's where I need to keep my, my body weight. But in terms of getting the most out of my body, um, I think I'm going to learn a lot. And I bet a lot of you guys are going to learn a lot too. So let's give the man himself a ring, Stan Efferding. So the man himself, the white rhino, the living legend, Stan Efferding. Here to talk a little bit about the, the uh, vertical diet, and a lot of people are talking about it. Um, I swear we had about four podcasts in a row, and all the powerlifters we talked to, and these are guys winning world championships, we're talking about they're on the vertical diet, and they're all about the vertical diet. You Google, and so many people are writing articles about it, um, doing some research leading into this, what the vertical diet's all about. So you, maybe there's some myths, maybe there's some things you want to debunk, um, but just maybe from the top, a little explanation of what the vertical diet is and how you came about it. Oh man, that's so exciting to hear. I, there's a lot of people using the diet that I'm not even aware of yet. A lot of them reach out to me and I'm uh, you know, happy to work with folks, but 
this is the same program that I've been using for my athletes for many years. It's the culmination of probably 30 years of my experience. Uh, and you know, those folks who know me know that I spent a lot of time and money traveling around training with some of the best athletes in the world. Uh, Flex Wheeler and obviously uh, Eddie Cohn, and great coaches like Mark Bell. And, uh, I just had the chance to work with so many extraordinary people and I've taken all those lessons and I've applied them to myself and I've been really diligent about doing my homework, doing the blood tests, monitoring my progress over the years. And then, you know, I started working with more and more clients and using all the things that, that I felt worked for me with them and then getting feedback from them. And a couple of years ago, probably one of the more high profile clients that I started working with was Hofthor Bjornsson. Mm. Mountain from Game of Thrones, and at the time, the best placing he'd ever had was fifth at the Arnold in the Strongman, and he'd never uh, won the World's Strongest Man. And so, uh, I worked very closely with him for almost two years before he won the World's Strongest Man, and he won the Europe's Strongest Man, and he won the Arnold Strongman. And right about that time, uh, I thought, you know, with all the inquiries I was getting as a result of his notoriety that it would be good to release the vertical diet for other people to have access to the same exact information I gave Hofthor. Same information I gave Brian Shaw, same information I gave Larry Wheels, Dan Green, and now a host of other great professional athletes in a, in a bunch of other sports. Uh, this week, for example, I've got three athletes in the CrossFit Games that are vertical diet users. Uh, Camille LeBlanc and uh, Ben Smith and Becca Voigt they're all competing in the games, re-qualified, you know, 10 years now they've been qualifying and they feel great and they're having great success with it. And so I released it, geez, I think it's only been four months ago that I went public and I put it out on the internet and let folks download it and use the same program that all of these great athletes are using. And it just exploded, it went viral. And I've got tens of thousands of people now all over the world I can track downloads and uh, have seen uh, just gotten an extraordinary feedback and not just with athletes obviously there's been some great athletes using the program but what's really exciting is the feedback I get on general health because I designed the program you know to be based on whole foods and to optimize gut health and to correct nutrient deficiencies and hormone imbalances and just help people improve their energy and their stamina and endurance and recovery and the great feedback that I get is that people are healthier. They're reducing their blood pressure, uh, reducing their blood sugars, improving things like GERD, you know, gas, acid reflux, uh, and they're, they're getting healthy. And as a result, their performance is improving almost as a side effect of that. Mm -hmm. And the program isn't just a diet. It actually is really comprehensive. I go over sleep, uh, hydration. Of course, uh, I, I give them a list of exactly what foods I want them to eat. Uh, based primarily on gut health. I'm trying to make sure that, that first and foremost they can digest these foods efficiently, uh, improve their immune system so they're not sick as often. Uh, and then of course I do hypertrophy and strength training programs in there as well. It's not as specific as, as, uh, as say a, you know, a full training block, but to me the, the general nuts and bolts of it are there. And I, I think the important things are, are you know, the, the things that I did for these athletes are the other items that I think are fundamentals, the sleep, the hydration, the nutrition. Uh, what do you think some people have wrong when they think about dieting and uh, putting together their nutritional plans? Well, I, a few things. I think the biggest thing is over restriction. If you're talking about dieting, they eliminate too many really important foods. 
Uh, they'll get rid of dairy. They'll get rid of fruits. Uh, they'll, they'll get rid of red meats. Well, all of those things are hugely uh, uh, nutrient-dense and, and bioavailable. And you need a significant amount of, of amino or of, of minerals and vitamins on a daily basis to uh, function optimally. And what I try and do with my diet is promote good health and good hormone health. The problem with most of these crash diets is that you end up suppressing the metabolism. We get metabolic adaptation from things like the slowing of the thyroid or inefficient liver function. Uh, and, and that can have huge consequences. I mean, the thyroid is, is massive, not just in terms of metabolism, but for blood pressure, for cholesterol levels. And so I'll do blood tests with my athletes, as I did with Hawthorne and Shaw and Larry and the rest of them. And I find out if they have these deficiencies, and then I go about primarily from a nutrition base, primarily from whole foods. I go about trying to get them all of the, the vitamins and minerals in the doses that they need daily. And if we have to do some, some minor supplementation, I do, usually vitamin D3, as I've talked about many times, is a supplement that, that most people can't get enough from food. Uh, but generally speaking, I try and get them as many micronutrients as I can uh, so that they're healthy and then their performance just improves as a result. And the health portion happens very rapidly. Improvement in metabolism, improvement in blood pressure, improvement in blood sugars, that happens very rapidly with the change in, in, in the nutrition. And then of course the long-term effect of that is is that they get stronger, they get leaner, and they, they feel better uh, throughout the process. These restrictive diets make you tired. Mm. That's the big challenge. And I focus on energy. I focus on stimulating the metabolism. Fruit's a big one. Uh, calcium's a big one for stimulating metabolism, stimulating the liver. Uh, and, and people don't recognize that those are, are potent uh, uh, stimulators of metabolism. And I want people to have energy throughout the day. Even if they're at a calorie deficit in dieting, uh, generally they quit the diet because it's unsustainable, because they're tired, it's not enjoyable. And in this way, I can get their basal metabolic rate up. I can keep their body temperature up. Uh, through the use of these foods that typically they might uh, exclude. Um, and what a lot right now is about um, counting macros. And uh, so how do you feel about counting macros? Is, is the vertical diet kind of work alongside that? Or is it outside of that? And, and sometimes people get so fixated on counting macros, they almost forget about the micronutrients and they just care about the macro targets. And do you think that might be a problem? They're missing a lot of holes there? Yeah, a lot of holes. Uh, anybody with, with any knowledge in nutrition uh, will tell you that it's a calorie equation first and foremost. And people hate hearing that, but it's just a fact. And then secondly, it's quality of food. And that's your micronutrients. And then thirdly, maybe your macronutrient breakdown. And really there, only controlling for protein is the key factor. We know that when you match calories and protein, that where you move your fats and carbs has little effect in terms of short-term and long-term weight loss. Now, it, there may be some effect in terms of performance and having adequate glycogen in the muscles to train and recover. Uh, but we'll certainly, you know, with a, a kind of a middle of the road protein and fat or fat and carbohydrate consumption, you're going to realize that benefit. But like you said, macros doesn't address a number of things. When you just fit your macros, 
you don't address gut health. And if you're doing an 80-20 deal and just fitting your macros and getting in your Pop-Tarts, then you're missing the whole gut health picture. And that can have a huge impact on digestion, absorption of, of minerals, absorption of uh, breakdown of protein, and even uh, your stomach acids, uh, quantity and acidity, which is important for killing pathogens and bacteria. So are you exposing yourself to uh, having undigested proteins in the small intestine and therefore all of the effects that come with that, the leaky gut, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, you know, GERD and acids. Uh, so that's one thing is, is the, uh, the gut health. Uh, two is immune system support. And if it fits your macros, doesn't help with that. And three is metabolism. Uh, are you getting the kinds of foods that boost metabolism? I mentioned iodine in my diet to stimulate the thyroid. I mentioned fruit, i.e. fructose, to stimulate the thyroid, which is a very powerful uh, component of, of uh, metabolism and it helps convert thyroid from the T4 inactive form into T3. Uh, and I mentioned calcium. That's a huge potentiator of metabolism. And of course, D3 to increase potassium or calcium absorption. And then the micronutrients are huge because, you know, I talked about thyroid function being important for cholesterol and blood pressure, but something just as simple as potassium and sodium, which, as you know, I've talked many times about the importance of sodium for performance and recovery and endurance and stamina. And it's just a monster. Probably the number one piece of feedback I've gotten from my diet worldwide is how by salting their meals, People digest food better, they have more energy, they have better performance, they increase their strength, their joints feel better, all from salting their food, which we've made, you know, we've been made to be afraid of, and, and unreasonably so. Uh, and then on the back of that is potassium. And I've really been pushing recently controlling blood pressure, because a lot of my athletes are big, strong guys, and they don't want to lose weight, but they have to watch blood pressure. And so we try and get them 4,700 milligrams of potassium a day. So my diet has a potato in it. It has spinach in it. It has fruit. It has yogurt. It has salmon. All of those things contribute to potassium. And you can see a reduction in blood pressure within 48 hours by stimulating thyroid and including potassium and magnesium in your diet. You can go from 160s, 180s, 190s down into 115, 120, 125 within just a matter of a couple of days if you pay attention to it. Obviously, there's some other key components in there, getting a CPAP, sleep, etc. Uh, but the vast majority of people with blood pressure problems don't have a clinical uh, uh, problem. They have a nutrition problem. And they should always address that, even at the same time that they're getting blood pressure medication, they should be getting uh, doing this and trying to reduce those medications over time, work with the doctor, and get your blood pressure down. It just makes you feel incredible. And of course, with the concern, a lot of these big heavy athletes having too high blood pressure, that's that's a huge problem. Even for, is it not even just the big athletes, but <clears throat> do you see that a lot of smaller people who think they're a lot fitter than they are actually aren't? You know, like you, you see a lot of smaller people need CPAP machines. Previously, we thought, you know, if you're under 200 pounds, you never need a CPAP machine. You don't have a snoring problem. I'm under 200 pounds. I, I snore like crazy. I wake up tired, you know, I'm, I'm uh, often. I'm, I mean, it's, it's not just the big gentlemen who have these issues. Well, and that's the first thing I address. I, I provide a questionnaire and I ask people, you know, do you snore? And if you snore, there's a good chance you have some degree of sleep apnea. And that can have a huge effect. It suppresses metabolism. Obviously, we talked about blood pressure. Um, it has a monstrous effect on, on the thyroid, on body composition. And of course, just your energy levels. 
And you may try and compensate for that by you know, sucking down caffeine all day, which yeah. may adversely affect digestion. Uh, so sleep's the big one, and the CPAP is, is a, a very easy cure for that. And so certainly with all my athletes, I, I dive into that first. And you're right, it's not about how much you weigh, it's about neck girth. And athletes, even if they're 200 pounds, 185 pounds, we're training hard, we're doing a lot of uh, you know, rowing type of movements and squats, and we end up with thicker necks, that crowds the airway. And so certainly that's number one is sleep uh, with respect to the CPAP but also the quality of sleep with respect to good sleep hygiene. I go over in great detail in, uh, in the vertical diet download about getting blackout lines, uh, having to get maybe some headphones to, to keep it quiet in the room, the temperature of the room, whether or not you're disturbed at night, whether it's kids or pets, uh, that'll take you out of REM sleep, mm. whether or not you're using medications, Ambien, not the big thing, CBD oil, those all keep you out of stage three and stage four sleep, which is the restorative sleep. And so you have to address all of those things. When I have athletes that are getting ready for competition, I have them sleep in the other room if they've got kids. And I understand, I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and they know that when I come in and say tomorrow's leg day, they gotta get out of the room. <laughs> they gotta sleep in their own bed. Yeah. And it's hard when you've got little kids or you've got pets, pets move around at night. And even if you don't think you woke up, they pulled you out of REM sleep with that noise or that movement where they hit your leg, that pulls you out of REM. So I spend a lot of time focusing on, on that. And the body weight doesn't really matter with respect to, to sleep. It's very important for everyone. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you talked about the deep sleep, the REM sleep, because oftentimes there's, you fall asleep very lightly, and then there's REM. And when you're pulled out of REM, you might not fully wake up. So you don't realize it. And you thought you slept eight hours, when in reality you were so light sleeping. Now, in terms yeah. of um, some of these macronutrients, and a lot of people think they're covered, what are some of these foods? I know your, your diet, does it include fish? Or sorry, chicken. Oh, you know, I include just about everything in the diet, but I, I try and focus on gut health first. Okay. So I eat foods that are easy to digest and, and provide a lot of highly bioavailable micronutrients. That's why I focus on red meat. Okay. Because it has high iron, it has high B12, it has high zinc, it has a better fatty acid profile than chicken. It's not even close. Chickens are a single-stomached animal that eats soy, and then they give you an omega-6 to omega-3 ratio of about 17 to 1. Now beef, but particularly grass-fed beef, although whether they're grass-fed or capo beef, they have a better fatty acid profile. They're a ruminant animal. They have four stomachs. They eat this food and they, they um, regurgitate it and, and, and redigest it, the cud. And in that process, they convert omega-6s into CLAs, conjugated linoleic acids. And so it it's even has a much more healthy fatty acid profile in addition to the iron B12 and zinc. What do most women go to health centers and get injections of iron and B12? Because they're deficient because they limit red meat and a host of other things in the process. Uh, but that's one of the key things is that I, I, the red meat is a primary protein source. As are eggs, and eggs are, particularly the egg yolk, are extremely nutrient dense. Vitamin K2 is a monster in, in egg yolks, and you can't get it from a whole lot of places except for grass-fed uh, beef, uh, egg yolks, um, dairy from grass-fed animals. Kind of hard to get enough K2 but that's what help de helps decalcify the arteries and, uh, and moves calcium into the, into the right places instead of leaving it in the soft tissue. Eggs also, choline, biotin, 
eggs are huge. Uh, so I include those in the diet every day. I also include salmon, and salmon's great for vitamin A, vitamin D, uh, you know, the omegas, obviously, EPA and DHA in a very absorbable form. So that's absolutely in the diet. Uh, and then a dairy source, which is the most bioavailable source, an absorbable source, and utilizable source of calcium. And I've talked before about how important calcium is for metabolism. It's not just bones. It's extremely important for metabolism. It helps relax the blood vessels, so it actually has an effect on blood pressure. Uh, so I include uh, a dairy source. Now, if you're lactose intolerant and can't do milk, then I try and take you to a Greek yogurt and see if that has less impact on the digestive system. If that doesn't work, then we go to cheese, which has even less lactose in it. And all three of those uh, will have adequate, highly bioavailable calcium for, the, uh, for, the, for, for people. And then vegetables as well, but I try and focus on low-gas vegetables. I try and avoid, at least initially, uh, things like broccoli and cauliflower and asparagus, the staples, because they tend to cause a lot of gas. They, they're the high FODMAP vegetables, the fermentable oligo and disaccharides and monosaccharides, and they aren't digested very well. And they can bind to proteins and they can inhibit, um, uh, and they can bind to minerals uh, and, and prevent absorption uh, in the quantities that we seem to be forcing them down in the fitness industry. Um, as kind of an empty calorie, uh, you know, concept. So I'll throw in low-gas vegetables, spinach, uh, um, uh, squash, peppers. Spinach is loaded with magnesium. It's loaded with uh, potassium. And so I put a decent amount of spinach in there. Uh, and then carrots, because we want some fiber to, to detoxify the system. We eat raw carrots, and they're a root tuber, and they tend to be low FODMAP, so those are in there as well. I mentioned iodine with cranberry juice. Potatoes, like a sweet potato or a regular potato for the potassium, and they have a decent amount of protein in them as well. So it's, it's very diverse, but I ask that we look at um, uh, the absorb not just the, the nutrient absorbability, but how, does, how do the foods affect your digestion? I try and avoid wheat. Not that whole grains are bad for you, but they're hard to digest, and the wheat that we're eating is not whole grains. Generally, it's cereals that are extruded and highly processed, and then try and fortify them with vitamins and claim that they're healthy as a result, and the fortified vitamins aren't very absorbable, and they're not, they don't have the cofactors necessary to be absorbed uh, optimally. And so, but we can use a fermented bread. So how you prepare the bread matters. So I have sourdough bread. Uh, which is soaked and fermented. Even with oatmeal, if you soak it overnight in, uh, say, apple cider vinegar or with a scoop of uh, yogurt, that'll ferment the oatmeal so when you eat it in the morning, it's a lot more digestible. You don't end up with the gas and bloating. And the primary reason I talk about that is because then we get to the, the athletes who consume a lot of carbohydrates. Your, mm. your high-volume athletes, your football players, your crossfitters, your strong men, you know, people who have to use a lot of carbohydrates, I can't fuel them on 500 grams of pasta or pizza or pancakes or brown rice or oatmeal because their guts would blow out. They, they, they would get distended and they would have gas and, and uh, it would be horrific on their digestion. So that's when I start introducing white rice just to fuel the workload. And it's extremely absorbable, has, has almost no uh, irritation for athletes. And uh, in that way, like Hofthor and Shaw, they have to take in over a thousand grams of carbs a day, as you can imagine. Wow. And when I'm, when I'm recommending hypertrophy programs for bodybuilders in the off season that want to gain a significant amount of weight or hard gainers, 
I'm trying to get them up to six, 800 grams of carbs a day, but I'm not gonna do it with carbs that, that blow out their digestion. I'm gonna use white rice. And in doing so, I try and give it to them in a way that they can eat a lot of it easily, and hence uh, the, the monster mash, where I blend the white rice with um, uh, a ground hamburger or a ground steak and uh, uh, some uh, bone broth, and it makes a, a kind of a soupy, what you call shit on a shingle sort of uh, meal that, that you salt well, and it's really easy to eat, and it's a great way for me to fuel a lot of these um, athletes who have high calorie demands from football, CrossFit, powerlifters, strongmen, and the like. And you have to be careful, like we said, calorie equations first and foremost, and that works in both directions. If, if I need to be at a calorie deficit to lose weight, then I want to design a program that helps stimulate my metabolism in the process so that I don't uh, have metabolic adaptation. And if I need to be at a calorie surplus to gain weight, then I need to make sure and fuel my body with the kinds of foods that aren't going to bog me down and make me tired and exhausted. You might have seen Brian Shaw's video from a year ago where he was eating 10 or 12,000 calories. Mm. And it, it's exhausting. And people don't understand the digestive impact. How he used to have so much problems with digestion and he was tired all the time. And then after he started my diet, he had more energy, he was hungry. You see his body composition improved significantly. He was able to consume a lot more of the foods that he needed and he could avoid uh, the foods that were causing all those problems. He became regular, if I can uh, talk about his personal business. And, and we laughed, but we've lived it. I lived it for 30 damn years. You know, it's running to the toilet all the time because you don't pay attention. Because all you're focused on is macros, mm -hmm. calories and macros. And I completely flipped the script on that and said, let's prioritize micros. Let's look at the types of foods, how they impact the body, whether or not they're good for metabolism or digestion or the immune system, and make this an enjoyable process where you feel good instead of being exhausted all the time. Um, and, and so it kind of is a little, like, what do you think about, because a lot of people would say too much red meat is unhealthy. And, um, and back in the day, I mean, this kind of is a, a little bit of a change from, um, it was, instead of yolks, it was just egg whites. Instead of red meat, it was chicken. And people think when you carb up, have bowls of pasta, you know, and, and so some of these myths, you know, how, what were we actually doing to our bodies when we used to avoid red meat? Some people cut it completely out and just eat straight pasta thinking, I'm gonna load up on bowls of spaghetti and that'll give me energy the next day. And I'm gonna just have the whites of these eggs. You know, it's, and have, have you seen some resistance from some people who are kind of old school around that? Well, I've been at this for over 30 years and I've seen the same thing in the 80s that I see today. I see people without very much nutrition education or very much practical experience implementing diet plans that they copied and pasted off of the internet and giving them to all their clients. The problem with that is twofold with respect to proteins. Uh, they're not very micronutrient dense, chicken in particular. You can satisfy your protein demand with a lot of things. You can satisfy it with soy and get an ample amount of amino acids and an ample amount of protein if you're just counting macros. But what do they do to your body and what do they provide for your body? And I found that uh, with the restrictive diets, the egg whites, the white fish, uh, that they end up, women end up with micronutrient deficiencies, iron in particular, B12 in particular, which are monsters. They're huge. Um, and then to have demonized the red meat, which is kind of a, you know, this is the vegan industry, this is yeah. PETA, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's vegan propaganda, mm -hmm. and they, they've turned what is, I think, a very reasonable 
uh, you know, effort for uh, animal health uh, into, uh, um, well, I guess you'd just say a misinformation campaign to try and scare people away from eating uh, animal proteins in general. All the primitive societies that were studied by Weston A. Price in the 20s and 30s had some sort of animal protein source. And the importance of that goes beyond just the protein. It's the A, D, and K in particular. Whether you got it from fish or whether you got it from goat's milk or whether you got it from uh, uh, pig or whether you got it from cattle, what have you. Even the, the African tribes would drink blood. Uh, you know, whatever it took um, to, for them to be healthy, Usually, there was an animal source in there. We, we don't have any, any evidence, at least at the time that Weston A. Price traveled the world, of, of a completely vegan society uh, that was healthy. And so we need these micronutrients. We have to get them from somewhere. The big thing about uh, beef is it's easy to digest. It's very micronutrient dense. It's far better than chicken. Uh, you can get very lean meats, for sure. But muscle meats and lean meats aren't necessarily the creme de la creme. You need some fats in there. That's where the A, D, and K is. And that's, that's how you improve your, your general health. The vitamin D for your metabolism and insulin sensitivity and sleep and your vitamin A is great for your skin and they work together. And I mentioned the K in terms of the, uh, the decalcification of the arteries. You need all of these things. You're not going to find them in egg whites. Egg whites are a higher allergen than the egg yolk. They have abidin in them, which is an anti-nutrient, a, a protein that's not very easily to absorb. When you cook them, of course, it reduces or eliminates most of that. But it, it's not very nutrient-dense. And so I, I look at my athletes and try and find them all the micronutrients they need. And we already talked about chicken and its, its deficient uh, omega-6 to omega-3 ratio based on the fact that they eat soy their, their whole life. So that's protein. You can't just look at the protein number as a macro. You need to look at... What does your protein source provide you beyond macros? What kind of micronutrients does it provide you? And it's not a lot of red meat. If a 200-pound athlete on the very high end needs 200 grams of protein, that's a very lean, very active athlete. Most people, you could, you could do a gram per pound of lean body mass and get a 200-pound athlete might only need 160 grams of protein. By all the research that's now out with Alan Aragon and Brad Schoenfeld and the rest of them, they just haven't found much benefit going over a gram per pound for any athlete at any level. Mm. I even have, I brought Hawthorne Shaw down. They weigh 430. I've got them at 380, and I could probably take them to 350. Yeah. And mostly because the carbohydrates they eat are protein sparing. And I just recently, Stephanie Sanza, uh, Steph Fitmum from Australia, she was trying to take in 180 grams of protein a day. She weighs 120. Wow. And that's because people think it has a metabolic effect. They think the thermic effect of food with respect to protein benefits their metabolism. But in fact, anything in excess of what you don't use is going to be converted very inefficiently so through gluconeogenesis, either into uh, carbohydrates to be used or stored as fat ultimately. So it's a very inefficient source. And muscle meats can slow the metabolism. They're, they're not all upside. And so you only want to take in as much as you need. So you got a 200-pound athlete. Maybe they need 100, 180 grams of protein. They're going to get 20 or so grams of protein from eggs. So they're going to get 20 or 30 grams of protein from their dairy source. So that takes them down to 140 grams of protein a day. At 7 grams per ounce, that's 20 ounces. That's 1 pound, 4 ounces of steak. That's not a lot of red meat mm. for a, for a high-performing athlete that's training a lean individual. It's just not a lot. Now, if you get a housewife that weighs 150, might only need 110 grams of protein. You're only looking at, at 12 ounces of steak a day with her egg and, and uh, yogurt blend. So that's protein. 
The second half of that question was carbohydrates, carb loaded, yeah. pasta, pizza, pancakes, and the like. Obviously, we know from experience, and we'll certainly be happy to share with anybody, that when you eat that kind of, of carbohydrates, you're going to blow your gut out. You're going to be bloated and gassy, and it's just not going to be very efficient for you. And you create digestive problems for yourself at the same time with all that gas and bloating, whether it be GERD or whether you get um, undigested uh, starches down into the small intestine that could leak into the, you know, through, through leaky gut, can get into the blood vessels, and that's going to wreak havoc, cause all kinds of autoimmune disorders. Uh, arthritis and acne and, and uh, you know hypothyroidism, uh, Hashimoto's, etc. So I use the carbohydrates first and foremost for me are fruit. And if I've got a 120 pound bikini girl, she might only eat one potato and uh, some fruit and some spinach, and that will satisfy all of her carbohydrate requirements. And she's still um, over 100 grams of carbs a day. I never go under. I think it's, it compromises your metabolism, and it certainly doesn't help make you feel good when you're training not to have that very efficient fuel source in the muscle. And when I go to white rice and I start to fuel people up on that, uh, they, they tend to, to uh, just perform better. They have less bloating. Um, they can eat more of it, which for my high-performing athletes that need a lot of calories, uh, they can eat more frequently. They can eat every three hours and not be bloated and, and uh, you know full for forever. And that's more efficient for the body too. I'd rather have them take in five 800 calorie meals than three 1500 calorie meals uh, because it's gonna be more efficient for them as an athlete. They're not gonna be as tired all day. Uh, so it's kind of like, um, I got you. So if you ate a 1500 calorie diet, uh, like meal in front of you, you're not getting all those energies in one sitting. It's, it's just not efficient for you. It's better to split it up into three. Yeah, that's a small amount of calories, obviously. 1,500 calories would be like a 120-pound person. I, yeah. I like to keep calories higher than that. Even, even some 120-pound women, I've got at 2,100 calories a day. I think that's kind of a maintenance yeah. uh, dose for them. I would much rather increase workload, and I'm not talking about going and, and grinding yourself into the dirt, yeah. But I would much rather increase workload than decrease calories because at some point that's unsustainable yeah. and it doesn't feel good. You're tired all the time. And, and that's when I put in my 10 minute walks post meal. I think I get a significant benefit from the frequency of my training uh, as opposed to just going once a day at the end of the day. You just you feel better. You stimulate uh, more of the uh, insulin receptors. You stimulate more of the you have more amino acid uptake into the muscles. And so I'm just trying to create an environment where the body's kind of working for you. I said I was stimulating the liver, I'm stimulating the thyroid, I'm getting adequate micronutrients so your metabolism's elevated. Your body temperature's elevated. When you eat fruit, you elevate your body temperature. When you stimulate the thyroid, you elevate body temperature. And we know that 70% of your calories are burned every day by your basal metabolic rate, which is highly dependent on body temperature. Mm. What happens when you restrict and over-diet and over-train? your body temperature starts to, to decrease that's your metabolic adaptation. That's the first thing that happens. You wake up in the morning and you can put a thermometer under your arm and uh, leave it there for 10 minutes and you should get a really good baseline as to what your, your body temperature is. And you think 98.6, but typically it's 97.8 to 98.2. And if that's down below 97.8, you've got a problem. No amount of cardio is going to fix that problem. No amount of calorie restriction is going to fix that problem. Your body is slowing down. It's resisting everything you're doing. Mm. And so you want that body temperature to be north of 98.2. And I get a lot of feedback from people who I communicate this message to 
that when they implement the vertical diet and utilize the iodine and utilize the fruits and utilize the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the calcium and the sodium is a monster for increasing body temperature and, and appetite and digestion, they wake up in the morning with 98.4, 98.6, and they're ecstatic about it. They've actually been able to reduce their thyroid medication. Uh, and of course, a lot of people able to reduce their blood pressure medication or eliminate it. And a lot of people able to come off of a, 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 an insulin-dependent type 2 diabetic situation or drastically reduce their, their insulin uh, uh, amounts for type 1 diabetes, cutting it in half and having more sustainable energy because you know the, the peaks and valleys for type 1 diabetes is a, is a horrific uh, uh, road to travel. Mm -hmm. If, um, if anyone wanted more information about this, on how to get on the vertical diet, because is it just for people who are hearing this and they want more or they want to get on the program, is it um, like coaching or are there templates they buy or how is the vertical diet accessible for everybody? Well, what I did is, again, many, many, many years ago, I started training athletes and I would write down everything that they needed. And over the years, I would accumulate from Q&A's and from, uh, you know, the feedback from them, and I would just add more and more and more things to it. So eventually, when I did put it on the internet, four months ago, I put the Vertical Diet and Peak Performance 2.0. It's a download. It's a digital download. It's a PDF file. You can, you can put it on your computer or onto your phone immediately upon purchase. And that's the exact same program I gave to Hawthorne. And it includes two years worth of interacting with him to refine it so that it's very easy, it's simple, it's sensible, and it's sustainable. And you can download that and start today. And there's probably, it's 50 pages with over 100 references to medical articles and, and um, videos that, that kind of put the science behind the information, all the stuff we've talked about today and more. Because uh, I, I want people to, you have to be committed, you have to buy into the program, you have to believe in it. Yeah. And so I provide them all of that information so they understand that, the, that it's well supported by science. There's nothing in it that's, that's, that's extreme by any sense of the imagination. Uh, and I list all the foods to eat, exactly what foods to eat. I put in uh, recommended macros for folks to shoot for. And I put in uh, sample diets based on people's individual goals, whether it be weight loss, whether it be a body recomposition, or whether it be weight gain. And then I include hydration, which is huge, of course, sleep, which is huge, of course, and then the training programs, how I think people should exercise, whether it be for hypertrophy or strength, and of course, the 10-minute walks are in there as well. Gotcha, and how much would that be, if someone's interested? I charge $100 for that program. Okay. to download that program and, and use it. And it's, it's extremely uh, detailed and complete. And so people can hit the ground running. A lot of people will reach out to me for personal training. And obviously, you know, one-on-one -on -one with me or, or an internet training is gonna be expensive. My time uh, is, is limited and valuable considering all the things I have going on. But I've found that when I encourage them to download that first, they probably don't need me. That was my intent with developing the program, was that I could give it to a Shaw or a, or a Thor or, or some of these great athletes, but I could also give it to, say, my wife or a Stephanie Sansa or a, a, a Camille LeBlanc, and they could easily implement it step-by-step, step, go to the grocery store, buy the items, start eating them, uh, and then there might be uh, some minor adjustments they'd make, and I reference uh, ways to make substitutions in the diet. 
uh, and give them some hacks, ways to make it easier for them to prepare meals or to carry them with them. Uh, I kind of put it all in there as, as I would go through my day. So it's almost like a one-stop shop, $100. You don't need to keep coming back for a second and third plan. Uh, you just implement it and run away with there, and there's plenty of um, you know, leeway to move within. You know, that's my hope. Now, there are going to be people, there's always outliers who have more complicated issues that, that don't respond to the general information. Although this information is pretty specific. I list exactly which foods to eat and why, and I, yeah. I, I dive right into blood pressure and how to manage it. I dive right into GERD and, and acid reflux and how to manage it. So, uh, And I talk about blood tests, and I provide a link so you can get blood tests and look at the, the things that I uh, recommend in there. But there are individuals who who may need some additional help, who may employ all of this, but still have some variables that affect them. And it could be from the blood test. It could be low thyroid. You can, you can diet your ass off. And if you're low thyroid, you're probably not going to lose a significant amount of weight and you're going to feel like shit. And your doctor's yeah. going to give you antidepressants and all kinds of stuff. And your cholesterol is going to suffer as a result. And your blood pressure is going to suffer. Or you could be low testosterone and you could eat everything on my diet and you could train every day and not add any muscle because you're low testosterone. The fact of the matter is, is that it's, it's, a, it's a concert. It, it, it's, you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And there's many spokes to these wheels and you have to go in and do everything. You, you cannot just implement my diet and expect results. Yeah. Uh, you have to do the, the, the exercise daily. You have to do the sleep. You have to hydrate correctly. You have to get a blood test or somehow find out whether or not you're hormone deficient because Everything we do is based on hormones. I talked about the calorie equation and then uh, the food quality and then the macros. But all of that is subject to optimizing your hormones, which I try and do with food. I try and do it with sleep. I try and do it with proper hydration, sodium, potassium. But the fact of the matter is, is if you don't optimize hormones, all of that effort is a waste of time. And a trainer that doesn't address that with you is ripping you off. Yeah, well said. Well, listen, Stan, I'm glad that you came on here because we had so many people. I'm not joking. Almost every single podcast we had, world champion powerlifters all saying, been on the vertical diet. You said you just <laughs> dropped it. You just dropped it four months ago, and it's like boom goes the dynamite with this thing. So I'm glad you came on. Um, explained it, and you're a great talker, by the way. <laughs> you, you, you explained it very well. Back the science <laughs> behind it. Anybody who wants to find out more, please go hop on Stan's Instagram. Uh, you know, you're available all over on the internet. Is there anything else you want to add on there? Best way to find you for anyone who's listening? I'm all over Stan Efforting. That's really it. Instagram, at Stan Efforting. Of course, at The Vertical Diet as well. Mm -hmm. My website is StanEfforting.com and TheVerticalDiet.com. I'm easy to find my YouTube, my rants, or uh, I put a lot into those. They're enjoyable. They talk about a lot of this stuff in greater detail. Yeah. Uh, and that's YouTube stand efforting. I guess the last thing I want to add is that uh, is with respect to the meal prep company. For many, many years, I've, in, in an effort to try and monetize my efforts in this business, I've looked into a variety of, of things for customers, uh, and I, I, I couldn't settle in on any supplement business. I just, I'm not a big believer. I think shakes are for fakes, eat steaks. I think that they're convenient and they taste good, but food first and whole foods first. And I've had digestive problems my whole career. And so uh, I've, I've worked hard to avoid those kinds of things for my clients by getting rid of uh, the types of foods that cause gastric distress. The, for many people, grains, certainly processed vegetable oils, improperly cooked legumes, 
Uh, you know, we talked about oats, sugar alcohols. I did a whole video on sugar alcohols and how that affects your digestion and how much of that stuff is in uh, those, those protein bars and powders. Um, and we talked about the high raffinose vegetables. But beyond that, then what do you eat? And you should prepare your food yourself. What do you cook it in? Uh, I use beef tallow or ghee, and so I started a meal prep company. I partnered with one of the largest meal prep companies in the country. They do four million meals a year, and they have extraordinary quality. I've had people send me free meals for a decade, and I never eat them because they taste like dog food, to be yeah. honest with you. And, and everybody that's listening to me knows what I'm saying right now. They really wish there was something out there you could eat consistently that, that wouldn't be, uh, you know, you wouldn't do begrudgingly just because you had to. So I partnered with, with this company, and they have an extraordinary, they have a multi-million dollar investment in resources to make these foods. They have um, <clears throat> ovens that, that are, uh, uh, where am I looking for here? Well, they're moisture controlled, and so when they cook their salmon, it stays moist. When they cook the food in it, it stays moist. When the food comes out, it goes through a $1.5 million MAP system. It's a modified atmospheric pressure. It's like a giant seal meal. It takes the oxygen out and it seals your food so that it doesn't start to age. Then they put it through a very expensive uh, um, uh, rapid freezing process so you don't get uh, water particulates uh, freezing on your food, causing freezer burn. Uh, and, and then we shipped out those foods out and they get to people and they taste fantastic. I went and visited them. We sourced all of the ingredients from my vertical diet. We sourced grass-fed bison, line pot salmon. Uh, we uh, render our own beef tallow. We boil our own bone broth and we make these extraordinarily delicious meals. And uh, at theverticaldiet.com now, you can order these meals and I ship them all over the country to all 48 states, uh, the, the continental 48 states. And uh, people have, have just been doing it for a month now. And the reorder percentage is enormous. People love the taste of the foods and they don't bother your stomach because I don't cook them in any vegetable oils and put a whole bunch of crap in there that's going to bother your stomach. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the big message I want to get out there is that I've got an eight meal sampler for $85 at theverticaldiet.com and you've got to try these meals. I make them with all of the important nutrition um, uh, fundamentals that's in the vertical diet and they taste fantastic and it's extremely convenient. Well, thank you very much for coming on, Stan. I know you're probably extremely busy because um, you're all over the internet right now. This vertical thing yeah. is blowing up. Uh, thank you very much for your time and good luck with everything, my friend. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Wowzers. Well-spoken guy. And there you have it. I mean, um, everybody's been going on about this vertical diet. Uh, like three or four IPF world champions had taken this vertical diet leading into the worlds, so I had to get them on, and it is a lot of information to process. I feel like I gotta go onto his website and uh, just to digest some more of this, uh, pun intended there, but um, I mean, it's intriguing, you know. When I grew up, I was growing up in the 80s and then high school in the 90s, yeah, I mean, it was egg whites, chicken, you know, and we were told fat was the enemy, and um, lay off the red meat. But um, I mean, not a whole lot of research behind that in terms of like when we were doing our bro science, but he obviously has done a lot of his research. And um, I gotta tell you what, I'm, I'm intrigued. You know, I'm intrigued. And for, if it's $100, if nothing else, I mean $100 isn't a lot of money if you just get that, you know, all the research that he's got with all the references in there. 
and you can just track back to it. I mean, that's a valuable asset to, to incorporate. I know some people uh, buy it, and then um, I guess he's got a million different options to put together yourself. But um, yeah, intriguing, dude. We didn't exactly have, a, we didn't even dive into his IFBB Pro, you know, and the whole powerlifting. But I wanted to hit up that vertical diet because everybody's talking about it. We don't talk a lot about dieting on this podcast. And this was, uh, you know, I think like we caught up with one episode. Hope you guys liked it. If you have any questions, by all means, um, shoot it to us or go straight to Stan Efferding himself. Uh, the man is all over social media and all over answering those questions and very accessible. And um, everybody, we're going to have another episode dropping every few days now because I got a couple episodes in, in uh, rolled up backlog. So until next time, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends about it and give us highlights. Till next time, six-pack lap of that, tune in now.